one of those days. Uh, you, you probably probably have you know uh, you, you know what it's like. One of those days where where you've been busy all day long. There's been demands of you constantly, and and when you you get home, all you want to do is sit down, put your feet up, and decompress for a few months uh, for a few moments uh, uh, for a few months. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, misspoke, but maybe I didn't. Uh, a couple months ago, I I had I had a day like that. One of those days that that was long. Uh, got home late in the evening, and been a day where it just seemed like people were wanting something from me all the time. And and I got home, and all I wanted to do, uh, and and really that's what I did. I sat down in my recliner. I pulled back the lever. My feet propped up. I picked up the remote, and I took a a deep breath. I'd, I'd been there for only a couple moments when I heard it. Uh, I would like to admit that I, that I didn't hear it, uh, and, and sometimes I legitimately don't, but this time I definitely heard it, and the it that I heard was my wife's voice calling from the kitchen. Uh, so Nick, yet another Sunday where I've talked about my wife. Uh, I heard my wife's voice uh, coming from the kitchen and it, it's not that that I had a problem with the, with her beautiful lovely angelic vo- voice it was it was the content of what she said that created the problem for me Be, because this is what she said she she said and and I wished I hadn't heard it but she said Tim will you come here now now I knew from the the inflection of her voice I I, I was able to figure out fairly quickly that there that it was nothing big. There was no crisis. She she hadn't just cut herself doing some dishes. Uh, she hadn't seen a mouse or a snake, uh, both of which we've seen in our house before, uh, which does create a different type of voice from her when she sees those things. Uh, and, and that wasn't there. I, I, I realized that I knew that it wasn't anything, uh, anything big. Uh, and I remember with my feet propped up and the stress of the day just just starting to ease out of my body, I, I remember thinking, no, I don't want to come here. But you know what I did? I pretended not to hear her. <laughs> I, I'd hoped that whatever she needed what, what, had come and passed and, and she would drop it. Or, or that maybe she would get distracted by something else and forget that, that she wanted me. Uh, or, or I... I thought that maybe she would realize that I'd had a long day. The hesitation uh, would, would cause her to realize that I'd had a long day, and, and instead of calling me a second time, she would, would show up in the living room with a glass of, of Diet Coke and would hand me the glass and then bend down and start massaging my feet. Um, that hasn't happened for 40 years. I don't expect it will, and probably the chances just went down a little bit more. But none of that happened. Instead, Instead, I heard her voice again, now with a little bit more urgency, not because there was crisis, but because she knew what was going on in my head in the other room, uh, with a little bit more frustration, she hollered, Tim, come here. I, I knew the gig was up. Uh, so I responded again, kind of like you think maybe I did, I, with my best whiny voice, said, I'm tired, you come here. Now, I, I want to suggest to you that the book of James, kind of, kind of in an infallible or a fallible kind of connection here, that the book of James maybe is a little bit like God calling to us from the kitchen. We, 
we've 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 wore ourselves out spiritually. We're exhausted from the fight. Maybe we're beat down by the journey or emptied by the walk. And all we want to do is sit down and disconnect with our thoughts, disconnect from our responsibilities, disconnect from all the expectations placed on us, and maybe, yeah, maybe even disconnect from God a little bit. And then we hear him. We hear God calling, come here. There's something you need to see. Come here. There's something you need to know. Come here. There's something I need to show you. I wonder if the book of James isn't a little bit like God calling to us from the kitchen. Now, now I have to admit, I have no idea. I have no recollection of what Rita wanted from me uh, when I finally gave in, got up, and walked into the kitchen. Uh, it wasn't earth-shattering. It wasn't anything big. That really wasn't the point. She just simply wanted to share something with me. She simply had not seen me all day and wanted my presence. She might invited me into the kitchen because she wanted to share with me a little bit of her heart. So, so today as we wrap up our series uh, from the book of James, uh, I, I want us to see it from the, the standpoint that, that God is calling us into his presence to speak to us. Some, some of us are wore out. Some of us are beaten down. Some of us aren't, aren't, even, aren't even soliciting his call to us, but he gently does call us to his side uh, to put his arm around us and speak his truth to us. Uh, so today, let's, let's look at this, this book and just do a quick recap, uh, spend a little bit of time just going over the book of James. What have we learned? What what has he spoken to us about? What have we talked about over the last couple uh, couple uh, months? Uh, I want to walk through the book, and and we're just going to uh, a ton of different ways we could have gone, but I want to look at just four themes that seem to pop off uh, from the book that just jump out of the pages of the book uh, at us. So if you have your Bibles with me, turn turn with me first to James chapter 1, and, and I'm going to kind of bounce around a little bit. We'll read a couple different verses this morning, so, so get the book of James open. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Get the book of James open, and we're going to look at some of the verses. But, but if there is a key verse, and James has a ton of them, but if there is one verse that I want you to, to remember, if, you want, if there's one verse you'll just take and let that kind of define the rest of the book, it would be this. It would be James chapter 1. Verse 22, and this is what he says there. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I, I, I think that's God telling us through, through James, I know you're weary. I, I know it's not easy, but will you just listen? Will you just listen and then do what I ask you to do? Uh, let's look at those four things. Here's the first one. Consider it. Now, in the, in the, the, the bulletin, you have a, a note page. If you want to jot some notes down, you can. If you want to write some of the scriptures in that line that I left for you, you can do that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, and let's look at just a couple verses under this idea of considering it. And that's in chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. There he says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. 
consider it. Consider it. I, I wonder. I, I wondered uh, if, or if we wondered at all whether James was going to be a book that challenged us. You, you didn't have to get but two verses into the book, and you realized that it was going to be full of challenges. Uh, you didn't have to wait long because James, in verse two, takes conventional wisdom, takes what what we would think he would say, what we maybe what we want God's word to say. He takes that and flips it upside down, turns it on his ear when he says, "Consider it joy, my brothers, whenever." Now. Now, if we were to complete that sentence, I think we would complete it differently than James did. In fact, this is this is how we want James to c- complete that. I, this is what we want James to say. Sometimes this is what we think it should be. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever your life works out just like you planned. Some, sometimes that's what we think God should have, or James should have said there. Consider it joy whenever your life is exactly what you what you've dreamed of. See, we all have dreams of what our life will be, and surely as a Christ follower, follower, it will happen that way, right? So, so we should consider it joy when it does. The problem is sometimes life doesn't plan out, come, come out the way we plan. Maybe he should have said, consider it pure joy. I would have liked this better if he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you don't have trials. Because if you are a Christ filer, we're going to have to face heartache, disappointment, discouragement, depression, hardship. It doesn't seem like it should be that way. It shouldn't shouldn't be that way, and yet it seems like we face trials. Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you when we don't have to face sadness. Because surely, as a Christ follower, surely the tears are going to go away. Right? We're, we're not going to have to face loss or loneliness or longing we're, we're never going to have to hear those words again hey they're in the hospital they didn't make it you have cancer we have to operate uh we're never gonna have to hear those words again if we believe in jesus right or or maybe you should have said consider pure joy whenever you're not tempted again because as a christ follower surely surely we won't face temptation or at least we won't succumb to those temptations. We won't have to deal with the guilt of letting God down or the pain caused by, by our bad decisions or the weight of our own failures. That's the way it goes, right? But instead, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And, and, and James says, consider, even when, as a believer, we have to go through all the garbage that we have to go through. When we realize, as believers, we're not insulated from pain. We're not insulated from suffering. We're not insulated from heartache or disappointment. But consider it joy even when we go through those trials. Now, maybe I'm the only one, but it it, it seems to me since we started this series a couple months ago that as a church, at least as uh, some of the individuals in this church, we, we've gone through some, some stuff. Man, it just seems like since we started this, since we first heard those words, consider it joy when you face trials, uh, that, that several of us have faced trials. I know that's true of my, myself. See, consider it when our lives don't turn out to be fairy tales, when the endings aren't like the ending of a Hallmark Christmas movie. Consider it joy. 
when we face trials because we know that God is with us through them. Even if we couldn't see him, even if we couldn't feel him, even if we couldn't see his purpose in them, we know that God was there. And during the process of going through it, during the process of the trial, we grew. So, so James talks a lot about it. He, he throws that out at the very start. And, and, I, and I think it's a backdrop of the whole book. Consider it. Consider it. He, he also talks about, here's a second idea. He says, control it. If you have your Bibles, look at verse uh, 13 in chapter 1. Uh, verse 13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he, ad- he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to, to death. Uh, he points out a couple different things that, that he calls us to control. One of those is our temptation. Now, I want you to notice, and if you've been paying attention over the last couple months, you've realized that the church or churches that James has been writing to, that they have some issues. They're, they, they aren't perfect. Actually, they're very far from it. And James, throughout this book, really doesn't call, pull any punches. He speaks very, very uh, succinctly and bluntly and directly to the issues that are going on. But did you notice something as we've gone through this book of James? That James doesn't say that much doesn't say that much about temptation in sin. Now, now he does here in chapter 1. He, he, he kind of brings it up in chapter 4 when he says that we are to resist the devil. And he, he says something about it again in chapter 5, verse 15, when he said that we need to confess our sins uh, to each other and, and pray so, to each other that we may be healed. So he brings it, I, that idea up again. But James doesn't talk a lot about temptation or or really, except for one specific sin that the church was dealing with. Instead, he speaks kind of in some general terms. He says, when we're tempted, number one, don't blame God. He throws out the idea that our, our temptation, our, our trials, don't come from God. Instead, our temptation comes from, from us. In other words, we sin because we want to. We, we often fall because that's our choice to do it. And, and then he says over in chapter 4 that here's the second kind of general broad theme. He says, resist it. You can win the battle. We can win, but often we don't win kind of the same reason because we really don't want to. But James does speak to a, a, a very specific sin that the church was having, and I'll, I'll, I'll point it out. We've talked about it quite a bit. But, but he points out our tongue. In chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, he says this. Dear, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We, we go on into chapter 3, and we see him talking over and over again. In fact, we see it drizzled through the rest of the book where James talks about our tongue and how our tongue can be used for two purposes. It can be hurtful. It can cause strife and struggle and anger, or it can be used for something good. It can be used to bless. So so James says, control it. Control certainly our temptation, but, but specifically control our tongue. Realize that the words that we use, our, our, our voices 
can can be so very powerful to good or to harm. A few years ago, I visited a guy uh, in a nursing home. His name was Ralph. Uh, Ralph had recently lost his wife and was somewhat discouraged. Uh, uh, his health was was failing, and and as I sat and visited with him, he made this comment to me. He said, I, I'm really not good for anything. I, I'm really not good for anything. And and as he said that, I'm sitting there trying to think, how, how can I encourage someone that sees their life that way? And, and, and the reality, when I, when I realized, yeah, his life is struggling, he's, he's having a hard time uh, with what's going on in his life. He's not able to get out and do what he had, had once done, and, and, and he wasn't able to work. All, all these different things, he's in this nursing and I was thinking all this different, how how can I encourage him? And I, I don't even know what I said. I blurted something out. Well, God can still use you. And and, and I, I was sitting there waiting. God, give me something else. And he began to talk. He began to tell a story. He said, well, you know what? The the other day, my my neighbor across the hall, and, and he told me the guy's name. I don't remember what it was. He said, my neighbor across the hall was having a particularly hard time. He had just found out some very bad news. And he said, I, I walked over and I just put my arm on his shoulder and I said, you know what, God's, God's going God's to be with you through this. I don't know how, but God's going to be with you through this. And then I, I, I looked at Ralph and I said, Ralph, you nailed it. You nailed it. You're, you're sitting there saying, hey, there's nothing I can do. God's done with me. Man, there's no good I can offer. I said, Ralph, you just, you just nailed it. You encouraged that guy. Oh, I don't know if it made a difference or not. I said, Ralph, it did. You, you made a difference in that, God, that guy's life. I think that's, that's what James is wanting us to understand. We'll, we'll see it as it ties in very closely to our next thought. But, but, but our words can be used to bless. They can be fresh water that pour life into people's, uh, uh, into their lives. So control it uh, and, and then claim it. Oh, boy, James talks a lot about this. Uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Look after orphans and widows in the distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Then over in chapter 2, verse, uh, starting with verse 14, says, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And then he finishes that thought at the end of the chapter, verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our faith is not just. Our faith is not just what we say or think. It's defined by what we do. There is a connection between our faith and our actions. Notice the the scriptures that James uses with this idea of that connection. Uh, In in chapter 1, he says that the faith that God accepts is pure and faultless. And and then he says, what good is it if, uh, if, uh, if faith is not connected with actions? He said, it's dead. A couple months ago, it was back in September, uh, Reed and I brought, brought uh, Reed and Cohen, our grandsons, to church with. Reed's up here on the front front row or second row with Rita. Uh, you may have heard him this morning so far. But we, we brought, brought the boys with us uh, 
uh, to church. And on the, the way to church that morning, Cohen was in his car seat and was being a little bit, little bit whiny. He kind of was grumping a little bit. And Rita kind of turned around, looked back at, at him and said, and I'm going to be careful with my words. In fact, I'm going to change just so I don't offend anyone. Uh, Rita looked back at him. She didn't say anything bad, by the way. Looked back at him and said, Cohen, you are a whiny uh, uh, bottom. I'll say she said bottom, but she said a different word. B-U-T-T. Okay. Now, when we grew up and when we raised our kids, that wasn't a bad word, but apparently that's a bad word now. So I won't say it. But she said that, and immediately Reed, who's in the back seat, he has Rita's phone looking at it. Uh, we're not supposed to say that. Funny thing, it happened again today. She said another uh, S-T-U-P-I-D. Uh, she didn't call him one. She just used that about something, and well, that's a, we're not supposed to say that. Okay. Um, those of you like me that can't spell, I'll tell you what the word was. Uh, <laughs> when she spells stuff out, I never get it, so write it down. So the, so we looked at each other, and we kind of laughed. A couple reasons. Number one, you know, it's funny when your grandson corrects you. Uh, but but what the real reason we laughed was because of the story that Caleb had told us the day before, our son. That Saturday morning, we had picked him up. Well, it was a Saturday afternoon, and, and we were getting ready to go, and Caleb said, oh, I've got to tell you this. Said this morning we were at a cross country meet, and said said I'd taken Reed to the cross country meet, and he said the the coach for the cross country team there at Liberty High School was a friend of Caleb's, and 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 he has a son about Reed's age, and he said they were playing together, they're friends, and they were playing together. And said the race was about over, we were standing at the finish line, and I kind of looked around and said, "Where's Reed?" And I looked over, and Reed and the coach's son, both they're both uh, Reed's four years old, almost five. They're both standing at the finish line. Now catch this. They've got their pants down around their ankles, and they're mooning the runners as they cross the finish line. Got to have those proud moments of your kids, right? <laughs> Kate probably was thinking, well, at least my son wasn't the only one. I, but we couldn't help. Do you, do you see, do you see what, where I'm going with that? We, we, we didn't say anything to... Um, to, to poor Reed about. We didn't point out the disconnect between his words and his actions. Oh, we don't say that word, but we can show it. I mean, we, we'll, we'll point it out with pride, but we don't say that word. I, I mean, we're just like, really? And I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if God doesn't look at us Certainly, it was an issue with James uh, as he wrote this church, and and uh, and, and he, he he talked about it very forcefully more more than once. I wonder if God doesn't look at us sometimes and say, "You guys talk about it a lot. You, you say this is what you're supposed to do. Here's your words. These are the words we use. These are the things we talk about. But do your words connect with your actions, or is there a disconnect between what you say?" And what you do. I'm, I'm not sure what God may be calling you to. I'm not sure what he may be calling you to. But God certainly calls us to claim action in our life. Faith, faith without action is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. We have to take our faith and put it in touch with our actions. And then finally, finally we have to choose it. In chapter 4, verse uh, Verse 6, he says this, 
Uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. One of the themes that has continued to jump off the, the pages of this book is that we have a choice. James has over and over again, offered two distinct options for us. In chapter 1, he said we can believe or we can doubt. He said we can blame God for temptation or we can blame ourselves. We can listen and, 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 uh, to, to what people say or, or we can blurt out in anger and let our words take over. We can show favoritism in chapter 2 or we can treat everyone the same. We can show mercy or we can choose not to show mercy. We can... We can have faith that says it's just a word, or we can have faith that's shown by action. In, in chapter 3, he says we can, have wa- we can produce out of our, our life water that's fresh or water that is salty. We can choose the world's wisdom, or we can choose God's wisdom. In chapter 4, he says we can be a friend of the world, or we can be a friend of God. Or we can come near to Satan, or we can come near to God. Our legacy can be a worldly legacy. Or we can say, God, if it's your will, and be a godly, God's will type of legacy. So James has been challenging us over and over and over again. Do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. My challenge for you this morning is the next time you hear God speak. Maybe that'll be through a song. Maybe that'll be through a Sunday school lesson. Maybe that'll be through a a word on the radio. Maybe that'll be through a sermon. Maybe that will be the Holy Spirit speaking to you in a quiet time. But the next time you hear God speak, do it. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray this morning that we will have the grace, the mercy, the courage, the strength to follow your will. Father, we thank you for this book of James. We thank you for the practical teaching that he's offered to us week after week, verse after verse and chapter after chapter. Father, we thank you that your word is plain and simple to us and it speaks to our hearts. Lord, let the word... uh, that James has brought to us uh, sink deep into our spirits. Father, help us. Help us to not just listen. Father, help us not just to put concepts in our heart, but to connect it with actions in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, maybe there's something in your heart that you need to share. Maybe there's a decision you need to make. If there's one that you need to make publicly, we'd invite you to come. Maybe, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you need to make a, a, a commitment to Christ. Or maybe that decision is one you just make from where you are. To say, God, when I hear you speak, uh, when I hear you speak, I will listen. Would you stand as we sing?